Uh, how's everyone doing this evening? Man, are you guys in for a treat tonight? Uh, keep on coming in. The participants are coming in. That's awesome. Um, I'll tell you what we're going to try to do tonight. Uh, we've got such a, a world-class individual with us this evening that we're going to try. And, and if you want to talk to Brian, raise your hand. Rachel will find you. Uh, she will unmute you, and you can actually uh, physically ask your question to Brian. But please, you know, no vulgar language, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, because we will just shut you down. Let's let's keep this professional. Um, this is going to be awesome. Uh, if if any, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know how much you folks know about my background, but I love to trade, and I've traded. I put my first trade on, I think, when I was 16 years old. So this is going to be a treat tonight. Um, Brian is going to go many directions here, and we're going to talk about, um, you know, how can we hedge ourselves? These how can farmers hedge themselves for protection in these vol? These are volatile markets. I mean, if one person says something, the markets are going bonkers one way or, or another. So um, anyway, um, let's get going here. Uh, just like I always do, giddy up. Let's go. We have Brian Wilson with us tonight. Brian, you have a tremendous resume. I'm not going to read it. Uh, a long life of trading. I'm going to ask you uh, the same question I ask everyone at the very beginning. Brian, what's on your mind right now? It could be anything. What's, what's on your mind? Well, well, as usual, markets are usually on my mind, and I, <laughs> I would get, I would guess right now and and from today and uh, the last week, what's on my mind is. You know where volatility in these markets are going—not just the option volatility, but the the volatility within the underlying futures. You know where that's headed and how long this volatility yeah. that we're experiencing is going to is going to sustain itself. Because we're we're in some unprecedented times right now with with the with the movements and the trajectory of these moves. So it, it's something that I'm really paying attention to, and and something that uh, you know it, it can be it can be life changing to a lot of farms and a lot of traders. Yeah. What uh, I know, I know your background is is soybeans. I mean, that's probably your passion. But I know you've traded other markets. So, yeah. how closely do you look at? Uh, I mean, do you look at the stock market? Do you look at the, the obviously the dollar you're looking at? What about like coffee, sugar, some of the other soft? I mean, what all's your your basket? Well, I'll give you a little bit of a of a background on you know my, where I came from. So coming from the uh, coming from the floor. You were very limited because you were relegated into one pit, you know. And for me, it was soybean options and soybean futures. And so you were very focused on, you know. I was a market maker, so you know I was making two-sided markets on every option that came into the pit, and I wanted to be the first one to make that market on every single option that came in from all angles of the pit. So you really were limited to that one commodity. Right. I, I found that once I got off the floor back in 2012, once I got off the floor 2012, 2013, I was able to uh, take my knowledge of options and apply it across the, the gamut of, of, uh, of markets. So I wasn't relegated to just sit in the pit and wait for my market to appear. Now I was able to trade anything that, that, that came within you know, I, I look at a lot of chart patterns and whatnot when they line up and say, well, market looks like it's going to develop here. I can participate in it. So, yeah, I trade sugar. I trade gold, silver, cotton, cocoa, uh, coffee, crude oil, natural gas, uh, yen, uh, Swiss, 
dollar, um, you know, yeah. anything that's both stock market, you know, NASDAQ, Dow, S&P, if it's, if it shows a pattern and it, yeah. it looks yeah. like, it looks like there's going to be a sustained market, you know, I, I will take a look at it and I'll have, I'll have an opinion on the option volatility and where the market's going. All right, so let's back up just a hair there. You said you were a market maker. So does this is this what I would have called back in the day a local? And is this you? This was your money then, right? Yeah, I've never taken money. I've never had a paycheck. It's always been my money on the line every single day. There's days I go to work and I come back less rich than the day I went in. <laughs> you know, that's, that's just the nature of the beast. That's dangerous. I mean, you better be. You better understand the market you're in and what you're doing to take a position that's your money. Yeah, it, it's it, it puts a little bit uh, of, a, of an element of, of risk on it, but I've found you know through my a background in athletics, you know it's it's really it's really set up nicely for people that are competitive and people that you know I'm not a, I don't have an addictive personality. When I go to Vegas, I, I don't I don't sit at the tables and and bet. I don't I don't bet on sports. Um, you know, it, it's the competitive nature of, of of trading that I really like. It's being able to like not you know, you'll never outsmart the market. No one's bigger than the market. But yeah. be, but to be, but to be able to but to be able to profit from the market and be able to like read the market correctly, it, it does it does give a, a lot of satisfaction. But you know, you, you have those you have those events that happen every month with a WASD or some kind of a USD report that absolutely throws monkey wrenches into what you think the the the, the movement is going to be. Well, you know, as much as much as as much as you're correct in, in that. There are a lot of signals that are that are given through the technical analysis and through charts that will will show you that uh, you know what's ahead of you. It's, it's not like it's not like you get the number before it happens, but the charts will tell you which way the the which way. The oh, what do you mean by that? What do well, you mean? I mean, there there are patterns that show up in charts, and the, and I I know this from consulting with the hedge funds with what they look for, and you know. It, that's why I, I say, you know, a lot of times when you get a bearish number and they get a bullish reaction to a bearish number, it's the pattern in the chart that's determining that. It's not, it's it's not the, um, you know, it, it's not the number that's moving the volatility that way. It's the it's the chart pattern that the the funds are looking at and the price momentum and movement. And when all those things line up, you know, they do give you a tell. They will they will show you, especially when a, they, you go into a number where the market is so overbought, like corn was, or so oversold in other numbers. Your like your wheat. risk, your yeah, like wheat. You're exactly right. You're you're given you're given signals. You know, and you're given tells. A lot of them come from the options. You know, when they start like, you know, pounding puts. You know, it, it's that's a tell. You know, when they when puts start getting so ridiculously expensive on breaks, that's a tell. And when all these tells come in, you 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 get a heads up about which way these things are going. The one the, the market, the market reactions I like to call as event type market moves that you have no control over. Uh, and I hate using this example, but it's it's a good example. Is if you came in one day and uh, at 10 o'clock in the afternoon there was an attempt on a president's life. Yeah. And markets react. You cannot predict that. No, no, no chart can predict that. Um, those are the things that really throw markets for a loop. But yeah. the WASD numbers, WASD numbers, you can and you you can get a, a good. This last one, this last one was epic. You, you that gave you no no chance on that. That was so out of the realm of you know whatever it was well, looking. For. 
that that bean number that came out, I was honestly, I was waiting for the USDA to make a, an updated number that would be a, a higher number, but because it was so drastically low. Right, right. That that's what happened. That's only happened to me in my career, maybe three or four times where I've looked at the I've looked at the, the screen at the time it was a Reuters screen and I said, well, that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when are they going to revise this? <laughs> right. <laughs> and it never happens. <laughs> yeah. No, no. It did it did one time. It did well, actually it did one time. They forgot a state. <laughs> Oh, really? They forgot, yeah, they forgot to count a state and they revised it. I was like, boom, boom, it was all over the place the next day. But that 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 was a real black swan. All right. So let's go back to the pit real quick. I think it's an, if I recall, it's an octagon shape. Uh, so were you up on the top step then? Well, the, the thing with the pit is it was a eat or be eaten mentality. You start, oh, out, yeah. in the, you start out in the bottom of that pit and the, yeah. right in the bottom and you're fighting for one lots and then you eventually, you know, work your way up to five lots and 10 lots and 20 lots. And if you're lucky enough, which I was to be able to position yourself next to the brokers that were getting all the paper, then, yeah. then you, then you'd actually made it in the pit. You were, you were, you were a primary market maker and they, they looked to you. And that was the same thing as, as the tells you see in the, in the market, the brokers had tells you could, I could tell you when a broker had a big order, just, yeah. it was like, it was like poker. Just, yeah. just by the way they walked into the pit, the way they held the order in their hand, the way their eyes lit up, you knew if it was a big order or a small order. If they didn't stop talking to their buddy and they took it in their hand, took a look at it, and then asked for market, you knew it was a small one. You know, it was there was so many tells. It was yeah, it was, but you don't have those. I mean, today you can you can even you can even disguise your orders. You can put in a hundred lot and show five at a time. You know, so uh, how do you see those tells now? Well, it's a lot harder. It is a lot harder. And I, you know, I don't trade. Uh, the algos don't affect me. I don't, I don't trade that short a period of time. My option trading is more um, hedge fund based, actually probably more like a farmer would where there's a long term objective with short term goals. So I'm looking more at um, a position that's, you know, a three month position or a six month position but I manage the short-term movement inside those three and six months around the position. So I'm, I would, I'm taking, you know, uh, you know, positions in the market that the algos are my friend. They're, they're not, they're not, uh, I, they don't, I don't work against them. Them moving the market helps me. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they've got trillions of dollars slushing around. So yeah. Where it's, where it's not good and where the pit was much, much, much better was when I took down a big order, I, I had to move, let's say I had to move 250 contracts of beans. I knew that Bruce Williams and his group would take that within half a, sec, half a cent to a penny. I knew I could move 250 contracts within a penny. If I take down a big order, and I don't anymore because it doesn't pay, but if I was to take down a big order on the screen, if I was to hit like a thousand lot on the screen and have to sell you know, 150 beans, that that screen might be showing me a bid for 150, but yeah. by the time I hit send, the nanosecond that the the you know Citadel's uh, uh, server picks up the nanosecond before me and erases that bid, I might get five sold, then three, then twelve. By the time I get my hundred sold, I've moved that market like five cents, and then boom, it goes right back to where it was after I sold. So the liquidity people think the liquidity is better with these algos. There, the liquidity is absolutely 100 yeah. percent worse. 
No, and you're exactly right. Because, and you mentioned Citadel. It, it's proven that those big, they, they get the quote before you or I would get that quote. Well, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to accuse anybody or, or, or speak for anybody, but I do know that um, there's, there's pay for order, you know, there's yeah. pay for order flow. So, you know, these, these companies pay to see those orders. They pay, you know, the, the brokerage companies, whether it's interactive brokers or Schwab or you know, TD Ameritrade, they'll pay for that. They'll pay to be, to see those orders. Yeah. Yeah. So take us through, I mean, is that, that gives, that gives them, what's that? That, that gives them that that edge to be able to you know I mean instead of instead of instead of being charged 795 or whatever it is for you know a stock trade they get that order beforehand they're making you know two or three cents on those on that stock because they're they're buying it you know below the bid or right on the bid and then they're yeah. they, they they make their money way more than that seven dollars and 95 cents for that order yeah 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 so let's start at the beginning okay i mean okay let, first of all let's go let's you've got a project in place and i think you just kicked it off let's talk about that real quick okay what's your project how can the folks find it rachel would you type this website in the uh, in the chat there please um so i'll give you a little bit of background back in like the the late 90s i with a guy named brian Shear, i wanted to try and get to farmers and because i kept hearing and it really bothered me I, First of all, I, I like to teach. You know, I'm a swim coach, volunteer swim coach. I like teaching people. I like I like seeing people learn something and, and be excited about learning something. I like seeing kids do a best time because of something we taught in swimming. So back in the late 90s, I kept hearing about, well, you know, we don't like using the markets. You know, it's all you, all you scumbag traders just stealing from us. Grandpa did it with Cargill back in 1885 and grandpa's grandpa. And I'm like, you know, these people need to be educated. Not not that they're not that they're uneducated, just educated on how to use the market to best benefit them. So we took a couple of flights. Uh, he he was a flyer. He had a plane, a little Cessna plane. So we took a flight up to Wisconsin to try to talk to the Wisconsin Soybean Growers Association. No interest. We went to Michigan to talk to the Michigan Soybean Growers Association. No interest. I would start going around central Illinois and in, in my car trying to stop at elevators and they wouldn't even talk to me. Since I wasn't driving a truck, they wouldn't even talk to me. I wasn't looking for any money. I was looking to just say, hey, you think if I came and did a town hall meeting and showed you how you can use the markets to your yeah. advantage, you would, you would you'd be interested? They said, no, we don't want any interest. I said, okay. So I left it for 20 years. And through Twitter... I started getting the bug again to like, you know what? I don't like what's happening to these farmers. I don't like that they're overpaying for brokerage. I don't like that the information they're getting is just what they want to hear. I don't like that they're getting, you know, bad information on when to execute orders. I'm going to start teaching them and I'm going to start teaching them on Twitter. But to do it, to do it on Twitter, you know, I can't capture everything that I want to say. So I started this course. And I'm calling it my option army. And it's deltahousetrading.com. And you can find it on Twitter at dhouse trading uh, at, on Twitter. And what I'm doing is I, I've, I'm, cre I'm creating four basic uh, course modules. The, the modules that I'm, and I, I liken it to building a house. Okay. If you're going to build a house and you're going to build it on sand without a good foundation, it's going to fall apart. 
So I want to start, and I understand the basic part of it's not that fun. It's, you know, it's, you know, repetitive and it's, but if you don't understand the basic concept of what options are and how they are, we can't price them. We, we, if we can't, we can't figure out if they're cheap or expensive and we don't even know what they are. If we can't even speak the language. So I'm building a foundation with the basic knowledge option course. And then I'm going into this pricing option module, which is the second course. Then I'm going to advanced strategic option strategies. And my fourth one is technical analysis. So what I want to do at the end of those four courses is for someone to be able to do exactly what we talked about off screen, is look at a, look at a technical pattern, get an idea of which way the market is, is leaning. First of all, I told my son this because he does like to gamble. And I said, Grant, I go, you go to Vegas and you stay in these hotels. They didn't build these hotels paying you winners. I go, they did this. They did this with being right 52% being wrong 48% of the time. Right. The, 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 the program that I've back tested and used for 20, 30 years, there's an 80% probability of being right and a 20% probability of being wrong. We're never going to be right all the time. No one is. And if they are telling you they're right all the time, they're lying to you. So what I what I want to do is after after we've built the house, be able to take a take a technical analysis picture, then take a look at the options and say, okay, based on this technical analysis picture, are options the right way to get into them? Okay, if they are, what is are they cheap or expensive? If they're cheap, okay, what's the cheapest of the cheap? Do we buy call spreads? Do we buy puts? Do we sell calls? Do we ratio spread? Do we back spread? And I'm going really, really fast, but all of these things are covered in these four courses to be able to build it so that you when you when you get your picture, the more inputs you have that will support the position that you need to do to whether it's a hedge to protect your farm or a speculative position to take in the market, you have an 80% probability of being right and a 20% probability of being wrong. And the best part about it is you know where you're wrong. Yeah. The last part that I'm doing, the fifth, the fifth part, is I'm going to do a case study on a hypothetical farm and how I would, uh, how I would take the, use the markets to hedge the, the product on that farm. Now, what I'm teaching about options is got is so uh, broad that it doesn't, this doesn't just apply to agriculture. You can take this and trade, you know, as the P options. You can trade gold, silver, cotton, cocoa. This goes to all options in every market. So is this a, a program that you've you've invented? I mean, you've written yourself and yeah. okay, I figured, I figured yeah. this was. Yeah, this is this is basically taking everything in my brain and everything that I've learned from being in the pit to being off the screen to dealing with hedge funds, the moving averages to what they look at to, you know, um, pattern formations that work, pattern formations that are strong, pattern formations that are weak. Um, pricing options is the, it, it is the most important aspect of what I, what I want to get across to people. In each, in each segment, um, I want to give at least one and probably three or four, but at least one thing that is so beneficial to the, to the person. So in my first one, the, the one thing that is that, people don't focus on is synthetics. Okay. So like when a market locks limit, most people are going to shut their computer off and they're like, Oh no, I don't know. The lock limit. We can't trade anymore. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm showing you where the market really is through a synthetic future. There's a way to tell where the market is. So if you have, if you want to be able to sell, you know, let's say you need to sell 
20,000 bushels of, of corn and it's lock limit at 560. Why would you want to just sell 560 if you wanted to go home that day? If it's trading 573 synthetically, well, we can get an extra 13 cents just by knowing where the synthetic is. So yeah. that's course one. Course two is being able to take the uh, and find out the implied volatility for yourself. And to me, this is the most important part. Yeah. A farmer, a farmer that goes to a broker and the broker says, you need to buy puts. The first question you should ask that broker is, what's the implied volatility of those puts? If he can't tell you, tell him you should take my course because you need to know that because you don't want to be buying implied volatility that is too expensive relative to what the futures are moving because that's when it's frustrating for these farmers. And most of the time, they're being told to buy these puts when it's in a, right now, when it's volatile, and when the market goes down, these puts don't work. And yeah. that's, that, that's got to be so frustrating for a farmer. So, so my, my goal gotta, is to get... You got to explain now how we're going to do that, okay? How, how we... Well, well it, it's not as easy as just doing it for the next 30 seconds, but you're talking about like getting my word out on the whole course, or are you talking about uh, figuring out what the implied volatility is? Figuring out the implied, you finish your 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 structure of your program, and we got to come back to this implied volatility. Well, that 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 basically is the structure of my program. I I just really need that's that's the the most important part of um, section two <laughs> is being able to price options, being able to understand when because I hate the word cheap and expensive. You know, these options are cheap. I can show you two cent puts, two cent calls that are extremely expensive. I can show you 30 cent puts and 40 cent calls that are extremely cheap. Understanding what cheap is a relative term. And an option that is cheap is only cheap relative to the movement of the futures. If the futures are dictating that those options should be worth 40 cents and they're only trading for 32 cents, those are cheap options and you can make money owning them. If the, if the implied volatility is putting these options at 32 cents, but the futures are only moving enough to pay for a 26 cent option, that option's expensive. And that's what I want, that's what I want farmers to be able to do for themselves. I want them to be able, and I I I hope this army of I call this army of option people, my option army. I want them to be able to go to their broker and say, what is the implied volatility? And when the broker comes back and says it's 26%, say, well, what is the historical volatility? Because I know the historical volatility is 24%. Why would I be buying 26% puts when the market's only moving at 24%? I want them to have that knowledge so that they don't have to overpay on, first of all, uh, commissions. You know, commissions, I don't have a problem with a, a broker, you know, charging a commission with value added. But if a farmer is going to a broker with a structure that he has already priced out and knows that he's got an 80% probability of being right, and that this structure is sound, why would you pay for anything uh, above execution? Yeah. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. So I want, to empower, I want to empower farmers. I want to empower them with as much knowledge as I have and to be as intimate with options as I am, to be able to be, have the confidence that I have. And so the other thing that I'm doing with this course is that the people that sign up for my course, I'm going to give that, this to them for free for you know, two or three months. And maybe longer. I don't know. I just want to see what the what the uh, uh, participation is. I'm going to do a morning forum mm -hmm. where we do just exactly what you and I are doing. Where we sit around and we all speak the same language. And Rick, you come on. You go, Brian. I just did the uh, I just did the three dar for beans, and I came up with a range next week or tomorrow of twenty eight and a half cents. Is that what you're getting? You go, Rick. I got the exact same thing. That's right. And you know what, Rick? 
I think at a 28 and a half cent range tomorrow, options are probably a better buy than the futures because you know the implied volatility on the options is now 5% below the historical movement of the futures. I want everybody to be able to communicate and talk in that circle <laughs> for 20 minutes a day. <laughs> I know I know I've gone over this really, really fast and it doesn't, it doesn't, it's probably not sinking in, but that's the kind of that's the kind of uh dialogue that I'm hoping to get out of doing this this course. And I'll I'll be honest with you. If you take this course and you, you go through it at the pace that you're going that, that works for you, you will be able to communicate on this level. Yeah, I think this is awesome. I think this is awesome. Now, I I started following Brian on Twitter, okay? I I just stumbled around and I found this guy and I liked what he was saying. He he's very cautious about what he says, uh, but he gives you the direction of where he thinks things are headed, and that's very important. There's other folks on there, Brian, that I, I see that you also reply back to, like uh, and again, I don't want I don't know these people, MSG Capital. He puts on a lot of of you know, $12 calls just sold for this. So he is actually giving the, the what's happening in the daily run of this market. And right. I see you respond back and you'll say, folks, that right there is extremely bullish. What, yeah. what just said, you know, yeah. so explain a little bit about, about that. Well, Mark and I are very good friends. Mark and I were in the soybean pit together for, uh, as long as, as long as Mark was in the pit and, uh, Mark and I have Mark and I have shared a lot of trades. We've shared a lot of uh, information, and Mark's a very good friend, and he's an exceptional trader. Um, so, again, I, I mean, I, I I I hate thinking that I'm, I'm plugging this course, but I, I'm going to refer to to my course. Oh, that's quite okay. That's okay. Um, so one of the things that one of the things I I outline in my in my my course is you want the market to go to where you're short. Okay, so when Mark tweets out a you know. $12 calls were bought for 36 cents covered with a 32 delta. Okay. That is a bearish position because we're trading, let's say we're trading at 1170 and someone buys the $12 calls. The hedge, and I go through this on the basic option course, number one, hedging and what, what these guys are doing. So they'll buy the $12 calls for 32 cents and they'll, or whatever it is, and they'll use a delta of 40. Okay, so let's say what that means, and I go through what Delta is, and I define all that so we're all speaking the same language. They'll buy 100 of those calls at 40, or sorry, 32, and they'll sell 40 futures. They do not want the market to go to where they're long. They want the market to go down. Okay. They want, they want to get as far away from their longs as possible. And they want it to go as far away that those calls become free. So let's say... Um, I'm, I'm going to make it really uh, simple and okay. Let's say they're a 50 delta call, and they buy the calls for 40. They buy 100 of them, and they sell 50 futures. They want the market to move 80 cents, double what the call is. Right, the call is 40, double what the call is because you only have half as many futures. 100 options, 50 futures. Okay. So if we move 80 cents. If we move 80 cents, you make 80 cents on 50 futures. So that's 4,000 cents, right? Yeah. 80 times 50. The total cost on 100 options at 40 is 4,000 cents. You pay for those options. Those options are now free. Yeah. If there's still time left, if there's still time left, 
those guys will lift that hedge. They will buy their 50 futures and stay long those options for nothing. Now they're playing in the market for free. If they buy the $13 calls for 20, let, let's even go down. They buy the $13 calls for 15 and they sell 25 futures, not the 50 that they were when they were $12, but they sell 25 futures. And we rally up to 1260. They lose on the 13s and they also lost on the hedge. You do never want the market to go to where you're long. You always want it to go to where it's short. So See, when I say- that, that's that. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that's just to think about that. That's not how a, a traditional trader would think. No, but that's how that's how I want everybody to start thinking. You, if you think the market's going to ten dollars in corn, the last thing you want to buy is a ten dollar calls. So what I'm doing is I'm pointing out places on the screen on the on the chart where there's where there's a lot of resistance. Let's say there's a lot of resistance in uh, in beast corn, which there is, at uh, six dollars and fifteen cents. Yeah. Okay, there's a lot of resistance up there. If it gets up to six dollars, six fifteen again, this thing is going to explode. The only way you should buy six dollar calls is if you're selling something above it, so that when it gets that when it gets that launching pad, it gets away from there. It's it's not an area it's going to stay at. You if you buy the six dollar calls, you better be sure. To sell one, two, or three seven dollar calls or six fifty calls, something above that, because it's going to move from where you're getting long. You don't. If you think the market's going to stop at six dollars and you just buy the six dollar calls, you're going to get killed. Yeah. Unless unless it, unless it's unless it's parabolic like it was where the, where the slope is so high. If it's a demand led rally, and I get into this on the on, on section three of of my my course. If it's a demand-led rally, it doesn't matter if their calls are put. You just cannot, cannot, cannot be long where it's going. And that's why when you see me and Mark and a few other people talking about the day of expiration, about pinning strikes, that is the worst place it can go for a long option trader. You don't want it to go there on the day of expiration. That is absolutely death. Yeah. You, want it, you want it to get away from there. So when you see like two days before that, again, I come back to tells when you come, when you see two days before an option expiration, like the, I'm, I'll go one at the May expiration, I think it was. And we went through $15 and went to like 1509 to 1515. And then it came back down and went through it. You knew that people were short that strike because it was whipping around going back and forth, back and forth between $15 because people, when it got above $15, they were short, they had to cover. Then when the market broke, went below $15, like, shoot, I gotta get rid of these, I got short, I have to sell them. And it just kept whipping around that, that strike. You knew people were caught short. So I, yeah. I keep coming back to all these tells and market uh, uh, profiles and, and momentum and moving averages. When you put it all together and you get the big picture, you give yourself at least a chance, an 80% chance, which is a pretty good chance of making money. And that's the name of this game. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so Brian, can you go through what would be a scenario that, that farmers should be thinking about currently? I mean, we've got, I mean, this, there's a lot of growing season left. There's a lot of weather market left. Yeah. This, this thing is volatile, which I'm assuming volatility makes options expensive then. Uh, explain how we can get in and what, what, what would be something you would be trying to do right now? 
Well, uh, you know, again, I, there's that word expensive. They're only expensive relative to the movement. And I'm, I did this before I got on, on your on your podcast here. This is what I'm doing in pricing and option course number two. So I went through and I came up with the 80% probability of what option volatility in beans should be for tomorrow. Now, what we have is, and I go through all this, and I know I'm going through it fast, and I apologize. We have three days where the ranges have been shrinking. Three days ago, it was 48 cents. Two days ago, it was 39 and a quarter cents. Today, it was 31 and three quarters cents. So it's a shrinking, it's a shrinking uh, volatility. That's, that's the, shrink, yeah, shrinking range day. We, so that you're talking about so the, I came the up high, with, you talk about the high and the low of the move of the of the day. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. So that I, I went through all that and taking into account that we're in a shrinking range environment, I came up with an option volatility fairly valued versus the movement of 30.4%. Currently, the options are trading at 20.8%. The options are trading 9.6% under the movement. That's a lot. That is way too much. There's an edge in here to be long options. People should not be looking to sell options. These options are cheap, cheap relative to movement. Now, I go then on to corn. I looked at the corn. I said, okay, based on the same model that I do, because this applies to every single commodity. I could do this for, I could do this for pencils or, or you know, sugar. And I can find you an expensive option one too, if you want. But in corn, I came up with a daily range. And I, I, I'll give you what I think the range for beans with a 90% probability will be for tomorrow. I can't tell you what's up or down, but I can tell you that I think the range for beans tomorrow will be about 25 and a half cents minimum. Corn, 13 and a half cents, and wheat, 18 and a half cents. I think those ranges, you know, with a 90% probability, those will be those ranges will be achieved tomorrow. Um, once I see the market profile, I, like today, I said that I thought beans had a chance to go to 1327 and a quarter, and they got down to like 1331. I said that when beans were at 1350. Um, that was based on the profile was that it looked like a lower, a lower day. So Again, you take all the stuff together and you come up with, now I know what I think the range is going to be. This profile says the range looks like it's going to be higher. I'm looking for a 25 cent and a half move off the low. I think yeah. that we're probably going to see 1362 and a half, whatever it is. So the volatility that I came up with in corn was 42 and a half percent. That's how fat, that's how much the movement of corn is. And if tomorrow we do move 13 and a half cents, that's 42 and a half percent volatility movement. And the options are trading at 25.2. So even though the beans are 9.6% below, corn is 17.2% below. So even though beans are cheap, I would be buying corn because they're cheaper. Yeah. I'm looking for the cheaper, the cheapest of the cheap. And and Brian, what month are you looking at here? Are you looking at front December, month? You're... December and November. Okay, so I'm, you're looking I'm, at- I'm looking at the most volume. Okay, all right. Liquidity and volume are very, very, very important because in the beans, there is a discrepancy right now in calendars, and I get into that on course number three. Um, the March options are extremely cheap to the November. Even though the November are cheap, the March are even cheaper. Hmm. So if, if it was- if if it was me and I wanted to do something, I would be buying puts in March in beans. 
That's the cheapest of the cheap volatility in beans. I would be buying puts. If I was bullish, I'd be buying puts in futures. Again, I want the market to move away from where I'm long. So if I'm buying 1250 puts or 1260 puts in March, I don't want to go there. If I'm buying 1260 puts and buying futures against them, that's that. And that's basically what the farmer is. He, yeah. my, my futures that I'm buying is his physical grain. Yeah. So he's, he's got the physical grain. That's the futures. So when he buys 1260 puts against his physical grain, it's actually a bullish position. Yeah. But it will, it will, it will stop him out if we break. It lets them sleep at night and still participate in the market to the upside. Yeah. And since, since we've now determined that they're very inexpensive, even if the market slows down, he's going to have an opportunity to make money on those puts because it's going to take a lot for the market to slow down 10%. Yeah, that's interesting. So how close to the money are you, are you talking here? Are you, uh, how many strikes away are you? Well, that, and that's a great question. I, you know, the American model that is always used for every option that's traded, um, I think there's a flaw in that model when you start getting corn up into that eight, nine, ten dollar range. Because what happened, and this is why these, these option models are absolutely perfect for farmers and set up for farmers. Because inherently the model states that the commodity can't go to zero. So it builds in, it builds in a, a floor. And it says it can go to unlimited. So it, ultimately, if we're at a, let's say we're at nine dollars, does the corn market actually have a better likelihood that it can go to thirteen dollars than five dollars when we're at nine? My argument is not really. I think there's equal. So if the the five dollar puts should be trading the same price as a thirteen dollar call, but because the model is skewed, those thirteen dollar calls. Are going to be two times as much as the $5 yeah. puts. These $5 puts might be two and a half cents, and the $13 calls are going to be five cents. It's yeah. absolutely set up perfectly for farmers. It lets farmers buy puts and sell calls and get paid to do it. Yeah, that, that's awesome. That, that's, that's awesome. And again, folks, this is in, in Brian's class. It's right there in the, in the chat, deltahousetrading.com. Uh, and, and I don't want to give, I mean, he, this is a, a class you got to pay for. And he's got tremendous knowledge here, so I don't want to give a lot of this away. But, but you know, I hope I hope I was hoping we'd have more questions than than what we have. We haven't had any to this point. I was hoping people would would ask ask you questions. So, so Brian, if do you have like have you named some of these trades? Like if if certain things are happening, then you, you know we've got we've got to do this. If if beans get in, in to ten dollars, you've got to be thinking about this is about the bottom they're going to go, and we got to yeah. we got to think to the upside here. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 the standard uh, option strategies. There'll be back spreads or ratio spreads or straddle yeah. strangles. I get into all of that. I, I get into every single one of those strategies, and I tell you, uh, I tell you when they should be used. You know when. When they're most uh, when they're most optimal to be used, you know, especially like what you're saying, when when beans get down to ten dollars, is the skew really cheap? As the call slope, is it down because people have given up on this market? And yeah. there are times when this happens, and that's when you want to be backspread. And again, I, I I go back to my trading mentality, and I'm trying to get farmers to understand that options are not like going into Walmart 
and buying something off the shelf. They're not, it's not a sunk cost. They're not dead after you buy them. These are an asset. This is a living, breathing asset that is tradable. So if you go into, if we get down into a situation where we broke the $10 and people have given up on this market and, um, you know, you can buy five $11 calls and sell one $10 call for like nothing. Yeah. That you've got to do yeah. because the, the market has given up on it. The skew's down. Obviously, the volatility is low. They're, they're paying you to be what they call backspread. You can buy five and sell one. I know you don't need five. I, I know that your, 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 your uh, farm only is, is needs two. But if they're giving you five, that gives you the freedom that if you're right, and again, 80% chance we are right, and we catch that rally, we've got three to play with. Yeah. We can sell out for profit to, to pay for you know, this, other, this, this, this structure that we have. A guy asked me uh, when we were, it was right around February, and he asked me about um, what he would do uh, at, at this point. And I said, well, I'm not a broker. What I'm going to tell you is what I would do. In my opinion, this is what I would do. I said, uh, I would take whatever my farm is. If it was, um, if it was a 100,000 bushel soybean farm, that's 20 contracts. I would sell 20 $14 puts, and I would buy 120 $12 puts. He goes, what? He goes, so I'm going to be long at $14. I said, in October of 20, October 23rd, if we're still sitting here, yeah, you will be long for $14. It will do you no good. But we're not looking at that. We're looking at between February and October. And if we catch good uh -huh. weather plantings and we catch a break, you're going to have five times the size of your crop short that you're going to be able to do whatever you want to do. You can be aggressive and get bullish down there. So when we got down to like 1190 or 1180, I tweeted, I go, this is why you wanted to be long six and short one. Because now he could have sold, at the time, those $12 puts were 90. Okay. Yeah. Six times 90 is $5.40. Now he took in money to do this. He took in like, uh, the original trade, I think he took in like 12 cents. We got down to 1190 and those puts were 90. And the $14 puts, they're $2 in the money. So they're worth $2. Now, also, I don't know if anybody remembers, I got assigned on a 1380 call. At this time, it was like worth 16 cents. So let's just add the 16 cents to the $14 call. So the $14 put was worth $2 in the money, plus the value of the call, say 16, was worth $2.16. And his $12 puts were worth 90 times six, were worth 540. He made three bucks. He called, he texted me, he texts me, he goes, well, what would you do now? I said, what would I do now? First, I'd sell some of those $12 puts at 90, and I'd probably buy some $12 calls. I said, why, why, don't, you, why don't you sell three of your $12 puts, lock in $2.70, and buy, and buy some $12 calls? Well, we buy the $12 calls. We just went up to $13.40. Those are worth $1.50. It gives you the freedom to like maneuver. Yeah, but you see, Brian, you, you have to understand, like, if if we go to an elevator and we want to uh, protect what we think is protecting ourselves, so we're going to sell 
some grain to the elevator, then they, they're going to say, why don't you buy a put to protect yourself? Or why don't you buy a call? See, they're not taking into any consideration of anything you just talked about. It, it's going to be something close to the market. It's going to be very expensive. And then the farmer thinks he's getting protection on, on a downside move. Why, why, and that's, that's, that's great information for me. So uh, why can't you go to the, the elevator and say, I've done my due diligence. I know that the volatility is, you know, absolutely at the lowest level. I know the skew is really, really steep in these puts. I want to be able to cover myself by buying six times the amount of what I'm selling to you in the $12 puts. And just, just to protect myself in case we continue to rally, I'm going to sell a $14 put. Why can't you, why can't you take the structure to them? Why do you have to let them dictate the structure to you? I don't know. That's a great question. I don't know if, if, and again, you're, you're going to know better than me. I don't know if you are reaching a point of speculation now because you have exceeded the bushels that 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 you're talking about hedging or 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 whatever it is. So I don't know if that's the problem. Um, you know, you're not paying for anything. You own the puts. It's not like you have to. You're not ever right. going to be in a mar you're not ever going to be in a margin deficit situation because it's not like you're short. I would I would agree with you on 100. No one's going to let you sell six and buy one because then you're going to then you are in a position where yeah. you know you you you're you can't make delivery. But if you own the puts, I mean, let me ask you this: Why would an elevator? Um, why would an elevator let you buy? 50 calls when you when your production is only you know five. Why are you right. allowed to spec why is why are you allowed to speculate with 50 calls? You know, why why will you not why will an elevator not let you uh hedge your production in yeah. the manner that you want to hedge your production? Why why did they get to dictate to you how you they shouldn't. they shouldn't? It's just some program that's already built in and that's what they that's what they go by now. We've got a person here, Jeff. I apologize. I can't see all of the last thing. I don't know why in the chat. I Peterson. can't see. It's Jeff Peterson. Jeff says the elevator will let you do this. Why so not? He says they will let you do it. The elevator won't. Oh, no. The elevator won't let you do it. Why not? I, I need to know that answer, actually. Why won't they let you do that? Hey, Jeff, can you raise your hand and, and let Rachel unmute you so you can come on here, please? And while, while Jeff's doing that, we've got a, a comment here from Mike. Please discuss how, you, oh, well, let's see, where'd that go? Jeff says he has his hand raised. JP is his, there he is. Hey, Brian. <clears throat> hey, Jeff, how you doing? Hey, doing good. How are you doing? Good. Good. So, you know, you, you this is great. You guys are doing a great job. So I just want to go back on, so my background was Cargill. I managed screen elevators for them. And we've uh, talked, but we've talked before, right, Jeff? Yeah, we've talked on the phone. I also teach at the University of Nebraska at Lincoln. Yep. Mm. But, the, but the point going back to the elevator side, we as an elevator, all you can do is attach basically an option to an existing cash position. So, for instance, if I was physically, and this gets back to basically the CFTC and MFA regulations on what you're able to do with your basically. If you think about it, you've got your elevators, got their brokerage account, they're hedging in. So there's only certain things that a person could do. So if, if physically cash was sold, you could come in and buy a call, uh, but you'd only be able to buy a call for the amount that you physically sold. 
or there were some situations where they would let you buy a call, sell a call, basically against a short position if you sold them cash grain. Or there's also some buyers, but not all of them will let you do this, where if you'd physically got, uh, you wanted to use a put, you wanted to buy a put, normally wouldn't they wouldn't let you sell a put against it. And then that would eventually turn into a cash. So everything that would happen with an elevator would have to be somehow attached back to a, a cash position. Huh. So they will they won't let you uh, they won't let you buy multiple units of calls. No, not multiples against what you physically have sold. No, but they will. I'm not saying. So you you can't buy like a, a fifty lot of speculative calls in an elevator. No, no, definitely so, not. So how do so how do farmers? Uh, when I hear about farmers wanting to lift their hedge and buy calls. Where are they doing that? I mean, I've heard that from I've heard that from brokers before, which I think is absolutely crazy. And when people ask me, "Well, should I lift my hedge?" My answer to that is, the hedge was put on for a reason. Yeah. Whether it was to whether it was to sleep at night or whether it was to make sure you have enough money to send your kids to college, it was put on for a reason. And I would never lift my hedge, you know, for any other reason than I couldn't make delivery against the hedge. Yeah, so they're having to do that through their broker. So why why would it, why would they talk to so so a broker will allow them to do it? Oh yeah. So broker, maybe so, yeah. so maybe maybe these maybe these positions need to be going through brokerage houses instead of elevators. Correct. Well, yes, they would. If yeah. they're if they're not if they're not cash related, then ultimately what you're talking about here would need to be done through a broker. Yeah. Hey hey Brian, if if I have an account at which I do at my broker, I have to specify if it's a hedge or a speculative trade. Because at the okay. end of the year, I have to sort that out and I have to turn in then to the IRS if it was a hedge uh, uh, a loss or gain or if it was a spec loss or a gain. Well, you know, that that's that's a actually plays to your benefit because that trade that I was talking to you about is a hedge. It's, it was mm -hmm. a hedge position against your thing, but it turned into a speculative position because it yeah. allowed you it allowed you to be short more than your production on the break. So it, it 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 was initially started out as a hedge. It, it definitely was, um, and it and the market broke far enough, you know, to your advantage that it allowed you to speculate in the marketplace with profit. I mean, you you were you were in a position where you know you uh, you know, we broke so early and so fast that uh, you know you're you're in a position that you can you can get rid of some of those puts. You know, you yeah. could have you you could have sold all six of them, and you know. There's a, so many different things you could have done with that trade once we're down there that yeah it's starting off as a hedge but you know you you're able to that's why I, I I try to reiterate that these things are not you know buy and hold these things you know you options and and these strategies they they need monitoring they need risk analysis and they they because you know there are times when like this one where you're going to get into a position where you know you 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 have too much sold. And you you want to buy it back because we broke so far, or you know you've got you've got calls you want to take some profit on. You, I, I think it's I think it's great that you're able to to discern which one those are right in the beginning. Yeah, well, hey Jeff, thanks for coming on and and helping. But but I think there 
I think, Brian, you're getting into that that area of if you ask that elevator to do more than what you have a cash sale and the amount of, it's going to be viewed as a speculative position and they cannot take that. They can't take that. So you cannot buy puts beyond your production? I don't think so. So if you've got 100,000, if you've got 100,000 bushels of corn, the most you can buy is 20, uh, uh, a hundred thousand delta worth. Not, and let me let me rephrase that because you can't even yeah. buy a hundred thousand delta. You can't buy a hundred thousand deltas worth because that's speculative. You can yeah. only buy twenty puts. That's the way I and Jeff. If you want to come back right. on, I think that's right. Yeah, you're exactly right, Brian. But but there's even but there is so if you think about it, some elevators will let you buy puts with the thought that okay, when you're out of them, those are going to turn into a cash position. But more times than not, a lot of the grain buyers won't even let you use puts that will and <laughs> turn it into cash okay. later. So why not? Gonna, well, because because a lot of them are saying, well, we don't know, we we aren't set up so that if we use this put that turns into cash later, we we don't want to physically in our eyes. There wasn't a cash trade done. So for some of them, their legal team would actually tell them that basically that they're using their cash account as a brokerage, a pseudo brokerage account, and they wouldn't be comfortable doing that. Would it not make sense hedging your, your production in your brokerage account then? Then you should do it. Yes, exactly. And that's exactly what we're looking at here is that keep all of your option trades that you were going to do in a brokerage account, worry about your cash contracts that you're going to do at the elevator, and just know that you just got to monitor your position between those two. 100%. And, and that's exactly what you're going to want to do. That's yeah. what I would do. That's exactly yes. what I would do. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And I and I wouldn't even, you know, the the best recommendation I would have would be, Really, you're just looking at, you know, so use your cash that you're doing with your elevator to manage basis and carry. So you're you're watching the basis, you're watching the future spreads to know where you want your and utilizing a hedge to arrive contract when you're physically deciding to make your sale. If it looks like you're going to see improvement in basis, improvement in carry, and then come back around and do everything else in your with your options in your brokerage because you're just looking at your short side of your position. You're long your cash, you do your short over there or your long cash because you're producing it, do your short sales that you're going to do with the, the elevator. Now, if somebody's comfortable using selling futures, then they might as well do everything in their futures account. But, but a lot of people aren't real comfortable with margin calls. Yeah, and I, I, I get that. And I think that um, I, I've heard that that problem quite a bit. Um, maybe, uh, and I'm not sure how these accounts get set up, but if you open a brokerage account and you let them know that you have the physical against the, against the position, will they not count that award towards margin or no? No, they won't count that towards no. margin. No. Hmm. No. So, and then the other thing you run into a little bit, and I ran into this a little earlier as I was sitting there talking to a customer and his, his banker, is that the other thing will be is that as a person starts talking about some of these positions, depending on whether the bank's getting copies of the brokerage account or not, there, there will have to be a little explanation done 
because to be very honest with you, most lenders really aren't very versed at all in regard to what's what's right. marketing, what's hedging, what's speculating. They they and they don't even know position wise. A lot of them, hey, is this position protecting or speculating or what? Well, I, I tell you, if I was a farmer and I had a hundred thousand bushels of soybeans, and I sold uh, I sold a ten lot of uh, fifteen dollar calls, which is fifty thousand bushels. I would hope that I was getting margin calls daily because that means that the price has gone up way through my through my hedge price. We're trading $16. I'm making so much money on my physical account. I would be running to the brokerage account to, to pay those margin calls because I'm making so much money on the physical that you know I want to go to $20. I hope they're calling me every day. Another margin call. Great, great. Yeah. Where do I send the check? Yeah. Yeah. See, Brian, what you need to be also thinking about is how to build a program to hedge, to help these folks do the hedging through options, just like you're talking about here, because they're, they're so uninformed, they don't understand what vehicles they need to really be using and at what time do they need to be implementing these vehicles. So that's Boy. what you need to build, is that, is that hedging program. Yeah, you've you've opened my eyes quite a bit here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna explore that. I'm gonna look for a, a vehicle to where this can this 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 can work in, a, mm -hmm. in the advantage of the farmer and and be and be you know the cost through their, of, through their brokerage account. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna talk to a couple of brokers and see if I can uh, work out a program somewhere that if uh, there was an army of farmers that wanted to do this. How we could do it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to a couple of broker friends yeah. that I have and see how we can do that because I think there's a the real need for that. And oh. that's and that that is probably that is probably hurting the farmers not having that ability to do that. They're they're probably left having to hold positions on highs and not being able to hedge them, and then the market breaks and they're like, oh my god, I I just I couldn't do it. Well, and the other thing too here, and Jeff Jeff alluded so, yeah. Jeff alluded to this a minute ago. You've got bankers who are sitting here that have no idea what you're, we're even talking about right now. And they're the ones who need just as much education and let them understand that you've now put a floor underneath this, this, this farm and everything is, unless they get crazy and do something silly here, everything's pretty safe, no matter what happens in this market. It makes their loans safer too. Bankers yeah. should know. Bankers should well, know yeah. that stuff as well as anybody. I mean, it makes the loans that they're they're giving a lot safer. You know, now yeah. they're now they now they know they're getting repaid. That's right. That's right. Um, we had a, a question earlier from Mike. Um, please discuss how you utilize the metrics of basis in your decisions. I have limited outlets for corn and to a lesser degree for soybeans and wheat in southeastern Nebraska. So the basis out there is probably horrible. Um, how do you take that into play then, Brian? You know, that's that's an area that I really do need education on. And I really am not in a position to, to comment on, on basis and how that would uh, work into my uh, option hedging. Um, I, I would defer that to Angie, you know, goddess of grain and, and uh, let let her guide you through that. Um, I, I don't want to. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. But I, I believe Angie's going to uh, attach a basis part of the course to my course. Oh, awesome! Yeah. So that's referring to Angie. Angie Setzer, uh, yeah. Goddess of Grain. 
Yeah, she she uh, she and uh, Boyd, um, that that's their baby, and uh, I, I don't want to I don't want to comment on that and not give a, a an educated answer. I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to guide someone the wrong way because that's not my area of expertise. Yeah, well, that's good. We appreciate the honesty. Um, great questions, Jeff. Thanks for coming on there and explaining some of that. So, you know, Brian, it's not unfortunately, it's just not as cut and dry as you think it would be. Um, there's just so many um, elevators, uh, elevator managers and farmers themselves that just don't understand markets. They do not understand uh, how to protect themselves. They know, uh, I mean, and, and here's another thing too, Brian, that you got to understand. A lot of farmers do not have enough storage to carry their own grain. It has yeah. to go to an elevator and now you're you're locked in paying whatever it is two and a half cents whatever i don't know what it is two and a half three cents yeah. a month yeah so you've got there's so many things that that you need to uh, you've got a great start here but um i think you you can tweak a couple things you know i i agree with you but i i, I look at that uh i look at that cash grain as being replaceable it can be interchanged with futures. You don't need to. You don't need to have the cash. And it, it, if selling the cash, you know, is because you don't have the storage, and you you want to have the futures against it, you know, structure yeah. a structure structure a structure a program around what I do: futures and options instead of having the cash. I tell farmers all the time: what you look in the backyard and you see that green stuff growing. That green stuff you see growing is not corn. That is money. You are trading dollar bills. It's dollar bills in the backyard. and should be treated like dollar bills. It's not, it's not, it's just a widget. Corn, soybeans, sugar, cocoa, it's just a widget. And whether it's a cash, with the cash you have, or I know that, I know, you know, because of tradition and because of comfort, everybody likes to have that, you know, that physical thing in their, in their silo, in their backyard. And I'm yeah. not talking about the stuff they use for their own farming needs for feed and whatnot. That's separate. I'm talking about the stuff that's going to, um, you do not need cash grain to manage bases and carry them. Well, that's, that's good to know. Um, no, I, I, I just, I don't, when, when there's a big carry in the market and I've, I've asked this question quite a bit, like when, when uh, November and March got out to 15 cent carry, when we were down around that $12 area. That seemed really wide to me. And I, I would have, I would have thought that's when a time that I'd want to forward hedge the cash because I'm getting that 15 cent premium. I don't understand when the front month is a is you know 50 cents above or dollar or two dollars July November. Why you'd want to keep cash grain? I would want to sell that cash grain and buy the deferred future as a replacement on it. I just I would I would empty the bins. I don't. There must be some reason other than just comfort that someone does that. Well. It's that or or they're not they're not watching the market and they don't uh, you know, I've often said that if you ask 10 farmers, what's the price? Where did December corn close today? You might get two that might get you within a, nick, a nickel of where it closed. <laughs> a nickel. <laughs> yeah, that's that's well, I mean, that's that's why that's that's why um, having a good broker that understands, you know, and ma manages and monitors. Um, what you have on is really important, yeah. you know, not just, we used to call them filling and billing brokers in the pit where they'd get an order and it didn't matter what it was. They just filled it and sold it and got rid of it. 
having a broker that understands your position you have, understanding that, you know, you've got six times the number of puts against the, against the futures and making that phone call and saying, Hey, Rick, you know, that we did that trade as protection and it's worked out really well. You know, you, you, you're in a position of strength right here with the market has yeah. just gone down. It's, it's way oversold. You're short here. Do you want to do anything? Having a broker make that phone call for you so that you, you're not just saying within five cents we're coin closed that day, I think is really essential. Yeah, it is. So with your class here, Brian, you're teaching your, your, your webinar series, whatever you want to call it, your series of, you got five. Yeah. Uh, I believe they're five hundred dollars per per session, but if you want to go ahead and take down all of them, you're going to give us a rebate. Yeah, yep. It'll be uh, if you want to buy all five, um, you, you'll be able to buy it for two thousand dollars for the whole entire package. That'll mm -hmm. also get you into like the uh, morning forum with me for free. You'll be able to do this and talk to me for free and bounce ideas and bounce the you know market conditions and and check your math on uh, on a lot of the stuff that we do to make sure that. Uh, that you're seeing it the exact right way. Um, I don't believe the credit card processing system is set up to do the, the full package yet, but anybody that has signed up for the first one is, is, is uh, they're in our database. And if they go to sign up for the whole amount, they will be credited and, and get it yeah. for, the, for the, the amount. Well, I'll tell you what folks, I, you know, I'm probably going to do this. I, I've had so many great people on this podcast and, and here's another one. And I'm probably going to sign up for Brian's classes and, and, and I, I would consider myself a, a, a veteran trader here, but uh, I'm starting at class one and we're going to start over and, and, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about leverage here. Uh, okay. Let's prepare a futures position and now, and you got to put up, you know, we got margin money. We got to put up here. If you're going to carry a position, you got to have margin in your account to carry the position. So talk about the leverage from a futures position to uh, a, an option position. Well, that's part of the reason why um, I gave that six by one. Okay. Because that six by one, the margin on that position was so small hmm. uh, you know, because you, you have start, a lot of the stuff that I talk about um starts off with very small deltas okay so like let's take for when i mean delta the definition that i use for delta is the probability that an option is going to go into the money it's not this it's not the textbook definition so i asked the question of i when i was in michigan talking to some farmers i asked the question i said if we're trading at 13 dollars and i put a gun to your head and i said the next tick you can either have the call, which gives you the option to buy, or the put, which gives you the option to sell. Which one do you want with a gun to your head? If you're wrong, I pull the trigger. If you're right, which one do you want? You can't tell me. It's a coin flip. The next tick could be higher than $13. The next tick could be lower than $13. So the delta of the call and the put is 50%. There's wow. just, it's a coin flip. That's basically delta. So... If I have a farm that has 100,000 bushels and I want to sell 10% of, well, I don't want to do 10% because I can't do a full contract. I want to do 25%. Yeah. Um, so what is that? 25,000 bushels in February. That's five contracts. Yeah. So if I'm doing something that has a delta equivalent of six contracts, I'm delta short. Okay, so I that's leverage. So when I do when I do these 
trades or these suggestions like the six by one, it's got a short delta, but very small. But what happens is, is once we start going, the delta gets so big. And that's oh, why yeah. it makes so much money. Because when yeah. we got down below $12, that delta, that delta is, you know, is if you got six, that's 30,000 bushels, you know, on a, on a hundred delta, it's, but it, the delta on that thing increased so much because now those things are in the money. Yeah. And that's, that's where the leverage is important. That's why, that's why when I do the pricing options and I determine that the SKU is really low and the puts are really low and the, you know, it's trading much below the historical volatility. That's when you want leverage. And a lot of these times, leverage is very inexpensive to margin. When things get expensive to margin, it's when you ratio things. When, the, when you're selling more than you have, that's when margin gets expensive. So when you take a futures contract against a cash position, that, and you're wrong, you know, on your hedge. Yeah. So you, sell, you sell five futures against your against your product and we rally that leverage you have you have to pay margin on those five futures because you keep losing on it, which is a great thing the trade i'm giving you starts off with a low margin because it's a six by one and it has a very limited risk you took in 12 cents if we go to infinity you make 12 cents plus your product that you have made infinity over 14 dollars yeah the, the margins actually goes down as we rally so the margin, the margin is really, really low when you're able to leverage uh, puts like that versus leveraging futures against a, against a cash position. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. You have to, but again, I keep coming back. This is so, so, so important. Um, you have to know when to leverage long the right way. Doing that when we were trading, I forget where it was. Right before the right before the number, volatility was really high. The volatility in the puts was like twenty seven percent. Those puts, and I kept tweeting. I go, these puts are going to go nowhere if we break. These puts are going to go nowhere if they break. We break a nickel. We break fifteen, twenty cents, and they're actually down. A guy, a guy tweeted me. Goes, hey, look, corn's down a nickel, and these puts are down too. I go, yeah, because they were thirty eight percent, you know, down there. Yeah. Now they're twenty five percent. Now, now, uh, tail investing. Uh, what would that? What, what were they referring to there? I'm not sure. The uh, the Dale of Capital. He, talk, he talks about uh, the tail tail investing. So like uh, being long calls and short futures. Tail tailwind. Well, I mean that's basically what uh, professional options traders do. We pick spots where we think the market's going to go to, and we'll do risk reversals. We think the market's going to go to twelve dollars. We're buying the fourteen dollar calls, and we're selling the twelve dollar puts, and we're selling futures against it. That's exactly what MSG quotes all the time. When Mark when Mark quotes what these guys are doing, you know, I I I, I tweet that's a bearish position because people think because they're buying all these calls it's a bullish position, but it's not. They want the market to go down. See that's that's just that I think that's Dan, my my good friend Dan DeSutter, longtime trader as well, loves options. Um, thanks for coming in, Dan, and, and listening. Um, uh, Dan, raise your hand and uh, let let Rachel uh, unmute you, and then you can uh, you can uh, just start talking here. Hopefully, he's in a position he can. You there, Dan? I can hear you. 
Yeah. Hey, Dan, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, week got a little tough, so I made it into the office where I could uh, participate a little easier. I've been listening. So the question about tail investing is uh, something that has intrigued me. And, and most of my career, I, I based off the old book, uh, um, Trade Like a Bookie, which I'm sure you've read. Um, and that worked for a lot of years. But this whole tail investing thing, I've played with it a little bit, but not much. I was just curious if you had uh, it sounds like willy-nilly you're doing very similar things well not necessarily calling it that can, can you explain it to me a little bit i probably call it a different name but so, I'm probably from yeah the principle would be that uh, let's say you're trading you think the stock market's gonna crap out at five thousand. so right. you would go, you would go in i'm trying to remember it's been a while but um you would go in and buy um you would go to whatever option was trading like 10% Delta call option. Yeah. Okay. And you would buy, uh, I forget the ratio. Um, I think, I think you're, you would buy two to one of those and then you would sell the futures. Yeah. I, I, um, that, that's a great way to get short the, the stock market for sure. Because the, the, um, you know, the calls in this in the S&P 500 trade at such a discount to the puts that that's absolutely the way I would be short the stock market. I would stay away from, you know, uh, buying multiple units of puts because the, the skew is so high in there. But yeah, that's a, that's exactly how I would do it. I, I would buy calls and sell futures against it if I felt the market was going to break. And uh, I would, uh, you know, the, the problem is with the stock market is, how do you how do you structure a position that gets long through options? I mean, buying puts because they're so expensive, you know, relative to the calls is is not a, an optimal way to buy puts in futures. So it, it comes down to like buying call spreads seems to be you know the cheapest way to get long the call long the stock market because they hit the volatility so much on the rallies. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, is that all? Anything else, Dan? You want to ask him? No, I'm just enjoying listening. Uh, I've kind of been on the sidelines trading wise for the last couple of years, so uh, you guys are getting me stirred up again a little bit. I'm afraid. <laughs> There's only there, there, <laughs> well, that's good. I, I love the markets too. There's only one problem with um, with that trade that uh, and that, like I said, that's how I would trade from the short side of the stock market myself. Um, if you're if you catch a market like and I, let, let, I'll go back to grains, okay? So if I'm gonna if I'm gonna buy puts and buy futures in a grain rally, which is the exact same thing as buying calls and selling futures in the stock market, you run away from all your leverage, just same as you would when you break in the stock market. I'll, I'll go back to the stock market, not to complicate things. If we buy five thousand dollar calls and we sell ten futures, we Break away from all that leverage. All we can, all we have is those 10 futures. And if you're right and you catch a monster move where the stock market does what you said and craps out and goes from 5,000, SP goes from 5,000 to like 3,500, you've got 10 futures. Whereas if you are able to catch one where you're leveraged the right way and you create gamma in the direction of which we're going, you kill it. So let's say you were long, you were short a five thousand dollar put and long, you know, two two forty five hundreds, and you did that twenty five by fifty. 
Now, instead of 10 futures, you're going to get 25 futures if we break because you've broken through all your leverage. You actually picked up leverage. So there's times when the when the options are so underpriced that you want and you and you think or you see, you know, the potential for a big move that you want leverage. You want when we go in that direction, you get shorter. You want gamma. You want to get into positions that get bigger in the direction in which you're moving. And that that gamma becomes very, very powerful, especially in these grain markets. I mean, the, these calls were so, I mean, not just the calls, because I, I, I did a, I, that put position was in February, everything was so cheap that, you know, you could buy multiples of, of, of units and, you know, be playing this market for free for the whole, the whole entire summer. I mean, how great would it have been when we were down at $12 to, you know, be long $13 calls in a ratio of three times to like one future. You know, so that one future you're losing, as we blew through $13, you're long so much more grain, so much more soybeans than the one future that you're short against it. You know, if it's 100 by 10, you get 90 futures all the way up. You want that leverage. If you catch big, big moves and the price of the options is uh, the implied volatility is starting out priced to give you an edge and to give you that 80% probability of making money, even if we don't move that huge number, Boy, that's when you kill it. Yeah. Yeah. That's see, that's getting you're in the in the class what four now of your actually actually class one is where I uh define all those things and I outline what, what uh um delta, gamma, theta, vega are. And I correct it, I found myself in in class one, and, and if people are taking class one, um one of the things I did in there was I got very technical in showing exactly how an option price changes. Okay. So let's say that an option started at 30 cents and we moved X number. I showed how much that option would change due to their Delta. Then I took that option. I said, okay, it moved that much. It went from 30 to 36. Now what would happen if volatility went up 1%? Oh, it went from 36 to 38. What happened if this happened over three days and the theta happened? I reduced it and now it's 34 and a half. And then I took the gamma and I showed this is how the option changed. Now I got really, really technical and I was, I caught myself in the next, the next hour, I started off by saying, look, I know I got really technical. And the point I'm trying to make about it is, is not for you to get caught up in the math that I did to do it. Is for I did it so that I broke down the components of that option, so you could see there's a bunch of different things that went into changing that price of that option. It wasn't just because we rallied 15 cents. It was these, all these things combined changed it in this slight little way. So what my point was is like, when you look at an option and you expect it to move in a certain amount and it doesn't know what component it was that made it change that, that much. Was it the delta? Was it the gamma? Was it the theta? Was it the vega? Now, that's, that's what I was talking about with building the basic foundation. Once we have that basic foundation where I can talk to you about what delta, gamma, theta, and vega are, now we can get into pricing these options. Now we can get into like giving ourselves an 80% chance of being right on a daily basis. Well, yeah, and you're in at these options at the right price. Correct. That is the most important thing. And getting in at the right price. It's the same thing as buying a house. You don't want to buy a house at the high of the market. 
when you buy a house, it's where you buy where you, when you buy land. You know, when you buy land for your farm, yeah, everybody everybody has has farmland, but how well did you buy the land? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's how you get in is, is the most important part. How you get in and how you get out and how you manage it in between. You know, so I, I go as I go as deep into um, you know talking to talking in this class about where farmers have exposure. I mean, every farmer, in my opinion, not maybe not every farmer, but one of the components in farming that probably nobody spends a lot of time looking at is interest rates. Your, your exposure to interest rates is very, very high. You know, so interest going from 0% to 6% had to make a huge impact oh, on farming. It's huge, huge. I don't know how many people were hedged for that, for that component. Probably not many. At that time, you could have hedged yourself with options very, very inexpensively and be in a much, much uh, more aggressive position than you are now. You, you know, you have your interest rate hedged. You have your fuel consumptions head. You have all this stuff. All, farming is a you know your 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 uh, equipment costs. All of that stuff is the, is is controllable by markets. It is controllable by options. And the more you know about options, and the no, more you know about where your risk is, you know the better position you are to profit in your operation. And that's all I'm trying to do is be able to give people enough knowledge in the in the small area that I know to offset and be able to help manage the risk that they have in their whole operation. Brian? Um, yes. So I've always felt like as a farmer, you know, trading grains, I had an unfair advantage, obviously, because I had the underlying asset behind it. And that allowed me to take risks or offset risks in unique ways, especially with options. But when we delve into just the speculative side, yeah, uh, I'm curious with all the AI today yeah uh, all these things you're talking about you and i can train our brains to think about this stuff but computers can do it so much faster uh, how do you see that changing speculative trading and can can an individual guy like yourself i mean obviously you're still uh creating good returns but that that just you how do you see that going forward as far as you know these black boxes keep getting smarter and smarter at what point does uh mere mortal have to say, you know what, I, I can't keep up with that. Well, what, where the AI, where the algos uh, have uh, destroyed the market is they've taken the uh, scalper out. I mean, I, I had a couple of um, futures traders that wanted to trade on the screen. They were, they, were, they were the best. They were really, really, really good in the pit. And they just, they wanted to, they wanted to trade on the screen and says, yeah, let's do it together. You, you trade the futures. Tell me where you think the future is going. I'll implement the options around the futures. And they couldn't do it. I mean, because they're looking for ticks. Okay. They're looking for, you know, the next tick, the next three ticks. And that, that job is dead. That job's never coming back. The AI and the algos have, have absorbed that and it's never coming back. The only way it's ever going to come back is if we get into some sort of computer meltdown where the exchanges finally figure out that, you know, these things are controlled by, you know, electricity and humans. And if they take, I've seen it happen. You, you hear about these flash crashes. And I, I've traded in them before. And they, they really bother me the way the exchange handles them. But when, when you get into these, um, you know, computers starting to feed off one another, like I'll give you an example. One of the algos they had back in, I think it was 2008, is it always wanted to be the best offer. So, 
When it came in, it would always be the best offer, but then it started feeding on itself. The computer offered it at seven, so the computer offered it at six. So the computer offered it at five because it couldn't find a bid. The computer offered it at four, the computer offered it at three. And that created a flash crash. It just kept feeding on itself. And I know the guy that had the, uh, had the program, he had to unplug the computers to stop it from doing that. Now, the way, they, the, way the exchange handled it, they, they saw some trades that happened and they busted the trades. But that, that's not fair. Because let's say I had a resting order from 2004 for IBM at like you know 90 bucks. And in that day, IBM went boom, trade 85. I got filled at 90 and then boom, it came right back and trade 112. And I'm, oh my God, I just made 22 bucks. I sold my 112s. The exchange would cancel the 90 and say, well, that, that flash crash didn't happen. And they'd leave me short at 112. It, it just, they handled it so badly. And I think that if, if the computers ever get into a situation where they take over and these AI robots take over and they put the, the exchanges in a compromised situation, I think they're going to realize, and it, it may never happen, and it probably won't. But if it does, I mean, human you can't replace human liquidity. I mean, I've seen some of the most crazy-ass markets you'll ever see. And I saw you know some guys down there standing there taking the liquidity, taking the risk for, for the world. You know, when when no one was everyone was scared to make a market, these guys were down there making those markets and providing liquidity to give the ease to everybody else. Computers are not going to give that. So to answer to go back and answer your question, sorry for being so long winded. What I do has got nothing to do with the next tick. My stuff, as short dated as it is, is daily. So I'm structuring positions around 30, 60, 90 day options and 30, 60, 90 day option plays. And for farmers, you guys are looking at six, you guys are looking at four or five and six month plays. You guys are putting the stuff in the ground in March and April and harvesting it in October. That you know, your your windows has got really nothing to do with AI or or uh, algos, you know, the next tick. That liquidity is, is irrelevant to you. You want to your your windows a six, nine month window. And I think that I think what Understanding option strategies and understanding option plays is uh, is is a good thing for for farmers since their since their windows so wide. What the algos do do is they allow for a guy like Rick to, to put on a to put on a grain hedge and move the market so volatile in a day that he can take advantage of those small little um, nuances with his with his position. And trade around his position, and that's that's where I think the algos really actually help the guys that are willing to to put on uh, you know three months, six month uh, positions, and that's what those hedge funds that I was consulting would do. They put on these positions for you know six months, and they would just use the interday volatility to hedge around it. So, so Brian, talk talk to us a little bit about these hedge funds. I mean, I can't. I'd love to get inside and just see how these things work. I don't think that'll ever happen. But like, let's talk about like the feed, the news feed. How do they get the USDA numbers so quickly? Is it is it is it something they're buying and it's coming right into the computers? Um, no, they're not, they don't they don't get. Everyone thinks they get these numbers quicker than we do. They don't. These these hedge fund uh, algorithms they will trying to outguess themselves. You know, they'll they'll move the market in one direction and you'll see it sometimes. The market will make a move 16 cents higher, like right at 11.01, right at 11.01, one second. And then boom, it'll be lower. It it was wrong. It guessed wrong. They, they, they'll take, they'll, 
you, the ones that lock limit, you'll see that. It used to be they, they put market orders in, lock this thing limit, and it would lock limit right away. No one had a chance. When they were right, they, they ran the deck. Yeah. But when they're yeah. wrong, when they're wrong, they're so quick that they're out very fast. That's not our game. We're not in that game. We, we don't want to be in that game. We want to, the game we're in is a longer game. We're in that, we're in that four to six month uh, position yeah. game. We don't want to play that game. We can't win it. Yeah. Well, what's so nice also what I'm hearing about what you're saying here in your program is you don't really care if it's a, a report day today or not, and you don't really care what direction is going to happen because, like you said, this is a long-term play. Yeah, I'm hope I, if I'm long options, which I, I have been for you know a couple of years now, because they keep. And that's the other thing is these algos are trading these options, and I mean I don't want to I don't want to say always because that's not true, but they they are pricing these options so cheap relative to the price of the movement for a long time. When the when this is going to sound crazy, when the options were expensive, is when option volatility was fourteen percent. Because mm. the, the market wasn't moving very much, and they were, it was hard to pay for those options. It was harder to pay for those options when they were fourteen percent than it is when they're twenty four percent. It's a lot easier right now. It's it's very easy to pay for these options. The move you can pay for these options. You know, so you talk about a daily theoretical uh, theta. Now, the reason I'm going to tell you it's theoretical. I was talking to a a, a trader who is also a farmer, and he bought a straddle back in February for 90 cents in corn. Now, I was in, when was I in uh, Michigan? Three weeks ago, two weeks ago? That straddle, we were talking at dinner that night, that same straddle was 92 cents. So it had this theoretical theta that it should have gone down every day. But because the market had been so volatile and came right back to where he was, at the time we were trading like 580, so I think it was this, 590 straddle right around that right around that crop insurance number that straddle was was a little bit more expensive now than it was back in february he had all that time from february until now to trade around that and all that money he made you know when he when we went down to five dollars and he was able to do something against that straddle buy calls or buy futures i don't know what he did and then we rallied all the way back up all that money he made is bankable money and the straddle is still the same price. So that's why I say it's theoretical theta. You know, so theoretically, the, the market is supposed to go, the option prices are supposed to go down every day. But the way, and, and if you can cover your theoretical theta with market movement during that day, then you're better off owning the, the options. And where I'm going with that is a lot of times the market moves enough at night to pay for that theoretical theta You've got all day to trade the market for free. And that, that's, all, that's all you can ever want. You can trade something for free and it's moving around. Boy, that, that's just money in the bank. Yeah. Yeah. They need to just do away with the night session. It's just. I completely agree. <laughs> you know, they, I completely they, agree. They tried livestock and they gave up on it. So maybe they. You know, this is. This last week is the most volume I've ever seen trade at night. I think you're getting like 50,000 contracts of soybeans some nights. And, you know, I've, 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 a lot of times I'll trade around the number. Okay. So in, in the winter, I noticed that soybeans would trade around 12,000 to 13,000 contracts before the night session ended. 
So I would look at like, you know, when that number got to like 12 or 13,000, where was the market relative to relative to the open and trade around that. Right now it's trading so much at night because things are a little bit unhinged. And I, I'm, I'm, exci- I'm excited for the opportunity that we have because now, now, now you've got corn that's going to need to buy acres from beans. You know, it looked like we overshot it by planting way more corn and not enough beans. And it looks like we're probably going to overshoot it the other way. It's probably going to be a year or two years before we find that, that area where, you know, we can, you know, trade soybean and corn and make money at both because, boy, man, these spreads going from, you know, corn bean ratio from two to one to 2.75 to one, those are, those are astronomical moves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then the, 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 the uh, you used the word earlier, the parabolic moves. I mean, look at soybean oil. I mean, that, that's just, that's just vertical. I know. I know. And I, I tweeted that to Darren Fessler a couple of days ago when he was tweeting about um, you know, how high the, the, the thing had gone. I go, and I said, I go, the slope of this uh, uptrend channel is a lot, a little bit concerning. It, yeah. it, it's, it's so, it's unsustainable. You know, so again, I keep coming back to like, you know, having all the metrics, the more metrics you can have to support a, a, a theory, the better. Yeah. So I found when this, when the funds get, people always call me a perma bear. Well, I wasn't a perma bear. What it was when soybeans got over $16 and funds were 175,000 long, you know, they were at their limit. They weren't going to take this thing to long 300,000, you know, they were, that was their historical level of, um, you know, of length. Yeah. You know, so the market, the market, it wasn't that I was permanently bearish. It's just all these the stochastics were really high. The RSI was really high. Everybody was bullish. The, the options, you know, the, the calls were getting, you know, really expensive to the puts. It was just all these things came in line. It's like, boy, what more bullish news can we get to keep this thing going? It's, it's just, it's, it pointed to lower. So, you know, all the stuff that I do with, with the options and the, and the technical analysis, and I wrap it all up into one light, nice little bow, and I tweet about it on Twitter, a lot of thought goes into, you know, what I say. I don't just say, oh, yeah, we're going lower because I think we're going lower. I look yeah. at a lot of things before that. And that's what I want. That's what I want farmers and, and speculators and, you know, traders to be able to do. Look at, look at that stuff and make, make that decision. I mean, I keep talking about the 100 and 200 day moving averages. I only know about those because I talked to these hedge funds that's so long. I said, look, if we get below, below the uh, 200 day moving average, we got to sell a bunch of futures. I said, well, let's not sell a bunch of futures. Option volatility is really low. Let's buy a bunch of puts. Let's back spread a bunch of puts. Yeah, I like that. And that's so I'm basically doing the exact same thing that I'm doing for myself in this course for those hedge funds. Yeah. It might not be the best thing to do is just sell futures. Maybe it's buying puts. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe it's selling calls. Maybe it, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's buying futures or selling futures. But they gave me the 100 and 200 day moving average. They told me that's where they at. 100 day, we got to start stop buying and we got to start liquidating. 200, we flip. Yeah. I'll so say all, that. All, you know, all those things, all those things are tells. You know, so when you see like you see it stop at the 200 day moving average, that's not by accident. Uh-uh. No. Now, and I notice, I think you're also um, in this, 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 this world we're in is so, there's so much uncertainty. I think you've narrowed down your, 
your your views here too are you, are you kind of looking at dailies a little bit more than, than you probably would have yeah like i said i'll structure a position with a longer term objective but i will use the dailies you know to to take advantage of a price movement because the same patterns that i see in the longer term can be broken down into a daily 35 minute one minute they are all interchangeable wow. i just like the daily i just like the dailies you know so if i see a, if i see a long-term pattern that I see over, you know, um, the next three or four months, I then look at the daily or I look at the weekly. Sorry, I'll look at the weeklies. And then I'll look at the dailies. I like, you know, I'm active. I like to be in the market actively daily. So I will look for the same patterns that I'm, that I explained that I'm looking for falling wedges, you know, key reversals, you know, higher lows, higher lows and higher highs. I'll look for these patterns to develop on the dailies and then I'll take it for the inner days and I'll look at the 30 minutes. Because I, I see too many, and it's like, I had this, arg not argument, I had this discussion two years ago with, you know, these people that were buying and hold. You know, when the market rallied from like $14 to $16, like, yeah, we made $2. I said, that's great. I go, I was short the whole way up, and I made like $4. Well, how'd you do that? Well, I, I made 20 cents every single day for 40 days, you know, but I stayed short the whole way. You know, and, you know, I just traded it from the short side because the pattern showed me an opportunity to be short every single day. And then, it's, then, it, would, then it would tell me when to buy. The pattern would tell me when to buy or we'd break and I'd buy calls. It would, once, I got, once I got the signal that, you know, it was time to get short, it wasn't that I just clicked the sell button on futures. I did my analysis. I'm getting the signal to sell. What's the cheapest, best way to maximize a short position? Oh, it's buying puts. So then I bought puts. Yeah, that's it's amazing. Uh, you've put a lot of uh, of sweat, blood, and tears into this. Uh, what uh, you came to Chicago? How old were you when you stepped when you stepped into that pit? Uh, how old was I? I was um, 20, 26. 26 years old stepping yeah. in and, and I, I didn't, I, I was a runner. I just, I, uh, I ran orders into the, into traders. They were paying me $12,500 a year. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I had a, I, and Brian, I had a, I had a, I had a wife. Uh, we had two car payments and we had a, uh, a, I, I, I got into uh, le, uh, mergers and acquisitions and leverage buyouts and banking. And uh, I was working 80 hours a week. And, um, you know, I, I, at the time, I think I was making you know, $45,000. And I got this, her father, uh, my ex-wife's father was like, you know, you should give trading a try. And I'm like, I went down and looked at it. So this is not for me. I like being in my suit and tie. I, th these guys are heathens in their, you know, in their, <laughs> yeah. this is not for me. And he goes, well, he goes, give it a try. So I'm like, okay, I'll give it a try because I'm competitive and I liked it. I like the competitive nature of it. And they, the guys told me, goes, we're only paying you 12,000. You're lucky you're getting paid. He goes, you should be paying us for this education. He goes, but we're going to pay you 12,500 a year. He goes, you're not going to get in the pit for a year. I'm like, oh, okay. So I just learned everything I could. And within six months, um, they put me in the pit. They said, you're ready. And uh, I made $120,000 my first year. And I'm like, you guys are, you're pretty good at this. We're going to keep you there. The next year I made like 600,000 and, uh, you know, 
And uh, they, they, they gave me, I think, I think my bonus for making the 600,000 was like 75,000. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to take this 50,000. Thank you very much for the education. I'm going to start doing this for myself. There you go. Hey, Brian. Yeah. I, I see the University of Wisconsin shirt there. I just have to ask, do you know a couple guys by the name of Nick and John over at Lakefront Futures? Uh, I don't. Lakefront, which ones are those? Is that uh... – they're, they're both Wisconsin guys is why I, I just – it's a is small that, world. Which one's Lakefront? I, is that with uh, Ben Scholl? No, they, they're their own IB. Um, okay, no, I don't. No, I actually deal. I went I, I went to the University of Wisconsin Madison on a swimming scholarship. I'm actually from uh, I'm actually from Brantford, Ontario, Canada. Oh, really? See, this uh, is what I don't. This is what I and I I feel really really bad about that question. I I, I know that I, I'm speaking way too fast and and talking probably over the heads of a, and I don't mean that in any disrespect. Um, you know, I, that's why I put this course together so that it could be done so people could go through at a, on a very slow pace. And I, I really did try to take this thing on a, at a very, very slow pace and explain things very, very succinctly as I was doing it. Because some of the things, you know, that I'm talking about right now, we only have an hour and a half. I've got 30 hours of education on these on these tapes. So, you know, to, to cover all the stuff that I'm talking about right now in 90 minutes or even three hours, we could sit here for three hours, it wouldn't be doing it justice. Right. And for the person for the person that came on and, and said that I apologize to anybody that I that I'm speaking way too quickly or, um, you know, not not uh, not getting my point across. One of the things I, I talked about in the very beginning is being able to talk the language. And I assure you, if you take this course and you get on the, in the forum, my goal is to create an army of people that can talk this language in the banter back and forth that we're talking right now. That does, that does exist. There are, you know, I could talk, I could talk to Mark Gavril, you know, MSG, like you and I are talking right now, and we could talk about this stuff back and forth and, and everything we're talking about would make complete sense. And that's my goal is to make, to, to empower empower farmers so that they can talk to their brokers, bankers, elevators in a, in a, in a language that, um, you know, that, that maybe, maybe they haven't been able to talk about. And that, that part of it came from back in 2010, I was approached to do an over-the-counter option uh, thing. And when I found out the premise behind over-the-counter options, I got really upset and wanted nothing to do with it. The premise that I was told to by a partner was what we want to do is we want to create the most complicated option theory that we can think of to sell so they have no clue what we're doing against it. Oh my gosh. I go, that that I go, that's the premise. That's the premise. That's how you want to make money. You want to oh. you want to create. You want to create an option strategy that they have no clue what you're talking about because it's so complicated. There's so many legs to it. And it's so knock out this and, you know, accumulator that and, you know, tie that to like a futures contract that has to arrive with a, with a, with a basis carry. I'm like, I almost said his name and I'm glad I didn't. I'm like, I want no part of this. I go, I, I, I want to educate them so that you can't do that to them. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's not right. Thank you for doing that. Uh, comment comment from Joe. Hey Brian, uh, hard to keep up with you on some of these things, but I need to say you rah rah Wisconsin. So that's what I was. I saw I saw that come up on my chat thing. That's what I was commenting about. About I'm sorry for I'm sorry for talking so quickly. No, 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 it's okay. Keep up. Okay, it's okay, okay. because. Um, People need to take your class. See, what I love about your concept here is it works anywhere on anything, any platform. Yeah. And, yeah. and you get the fundamentals down and and start changing the way your brain works here. Yeah. See, that's the thing. We've, we've all kind of been taught different ways to look at markets. And, and like I said, most farmers don't understand how to hedge themselves and protect themselves. Um, this is a well-needed, uh, a well-needed class you've got so thank you for doing this well i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna say one thing from the course number one that probably will confuse people but it, but it's the truth and it's the way options should be looked at and it's the way professional option traders look at them puts and calls are the same thing hmm. they're exactly the same thing i can turn a put into a call i can turn a call into a put and I, I go outline that in course one. It's called a synthetic put, a synthetic a synthetic call. I can I can turn a short call into a short put. And once you once because people are afraid of puts, they 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 don't like the concept of puts because people. What I found the general public when they find out that I'm a trader, well, first of all, they automatically assume that I'm a stock trader, yeah. and they're like, well, what did you what did you buy Tesla? At? I go, yeah. I didn't buy Tesla. I sold it. He goes, well, where'd you buy it at? I go, I didn't. I sold it. He goes, well, what do you mean? He goes, you have to buy it. I go, no, you don't. There's this thing called shorting. You're allowed to short. You know, in stocks, you have to borrow the stock from a firm. In, in commodities, you can just sell the commodity without ownership. I go, you know, or I buy puts. Puts let you sell it. He goes, well, why would you want to do that? What'd you buy it at? They automatically assume you have to buy something before you yeah. can sell it. That's right. So people are afraid of puts. People are like, I, they don't get the concept of puts. And, and that's why, you know, I love puts because puts are usually depressed because people don't like them. So there's not a lot of like, not a lot of like, you know, interest in, in buying them. Everybody wants to speculate to the upside when the yeah. best way to be long the upside is through puts. And I can turn those puts into a call. And that, that's why, I, you know, in, in course one, I go through the synthetics. And like I told you in the beginning, Rick, I'm, I'm trying to give one part or two or three parts, but one basic thing that is worth Way more than the five hundred dollars that the, the course yeah. costs. In the oh, first yeah. one, it's the it's the first one is the synthetics. If yeah. everyone comes away from course one and they understand, you know, for, forget about the language, being able to talk to me about Delta Gamma Theta Vega, that's really cool and that's that's needed. But if they come away from this and they like, now I know how to calculate where the futures are when they're locked limit down or up. I'm ahead of the game. That's yeah. a huge, huge, huge advantage. Especially if you're, especially if you're the way that the market is moving. If you're, if you're a, a, a person who needs feed and you need to buy corn, and corn's locked limit down at 494, why would you buy at 494 when synthetically it's trading 488? But you won't know it's trading 488 unless you know how to calculate the synthetic. Yeah. It's the same thing with I, by giving you the formula and showing you how to how to how to calculate the synthetic future. It's the same thing as turning a call into a put. I can turn the with the future. I can turn the the put into a call. Yeah, that's crazy.
Now, I, I, we're, we're, we've had you on a long time, so I, I just want to. I could, I could be on all night. I could be on all night talking about this stuff. I love it. I live and breathe it. <laughs> yeah, I, I can tell. I can tell. Um, I, I've got a, a question, though. If, you know, you, you've got this, um, you, you gave us the numbers, and I should have wrote them down. Maybe you give it to us again. What do you think the daily range of soybeans is going to be tomorrow? Um, so how do you give us those ranges uh, Uh, beans, 25 and a half cents. Okay. Corn, 13 and a half cents. Corn, 13 and a half cents. And wheat, 18 and a half cents. Okay. So how, how do you, I mean, obviously you love, you love options. I, I'm assuming yes. you do futures as well. So yeah. let's assume now that you, you, you just, you you know, this is what it's going to be. Beans are going to be 25 and a half cents. They've opened up, they've gone down to nickel, and they've held there for uh, an hour, and now they're starting to rally. Now, yep. they're four cents off the low, so we've got 21 more cents to move. How do you not get long right there, or do you? I do. I do. Okay. Uh, there'll, there'll be, maybe there'll be another tell. Maybe it trades through the opening range. That's a big signal. Maybe it's making a higher low on a 30-minute chart. They'll, those signals will all give me, now's the time to get long. I'm not trying to buy the low. I'm not trying to sell the high. I'm looking for, you know, yeah. those numbers. You know, I, I I can't, no one, no one can tell you what the high and low are going to be tomorrow or any day. But, you know, with those, if I can capture 17 cents of that 25 and a half cents every single day or three out of five days, I mean, I'm, I'm happy. Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, even if it was a 10 lot, I mean, that's a lot, yeah. of, that's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. Even if it's a one lot, it's a lot of money. Eight hundred and fifty bucks on a one lot—that's a yeah. lot of money. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. You, you do this, annualize that over two hundred and twenty-five trading days. It's a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. And you get a lot of time to go play some golf then, if you want to. So yeah. right, and let's 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 say let's say so. I, like I said, I could take talk about this all night. Let's say we achieved that twenty-five and a half cent uh, range within the first two hours. Now there's a probability that there's going to be a 50% pullback. So I'll be looking for that 50% pullback to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. And all this is in your class, right? Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Hey, Dan, you yep. got anything else? Anything else you want to ask? I just that I better stay away from Brian or I'm going to get the sickness again. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, join my army to get in here. Are you, are, the turtles are taken. What are you going to call your army? Turtles are already taken. Yeah, I don't know yet. Uh, we got we got we got to incorporate house in there somewhere because it's Delta House Trading. Where, where the it's kind of, I, I took it off an of animal house, and uh, <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> so um, I don't know. I you know I, I kind of like the option army and it's a movement. You know, and uh, I think my I think my mission statement is is that uh, knowledge is power. And uh, I want I, I want to I want to empower as many people as are interested in uh, in 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 learning. One of the, one of the things I one of the things that I do want to do, and I, I don't want people to take this the wrong way, is that you know I've been I pretty been pretty open on Twitter about a lot of things, and I want to I want to I, I don't want to pull back and 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 not not give my opinion, but I want to I want to. Um, I want to stay loyal to the people that are wanting to yeah. learn and that yeah. are, that are going to take the course and that are going to join the forum. 
And I want to reserve a lot of the in-depth stuff that I come up with, uh, with the people that are interested in learning and the people that are going to be on the forum. I don't want to, you know, I get a lot of people ask me, well, what do you, what do you, uh, what do you think the next, you know, you know, couple of hours are going to be? And I say, well, in my opinion, I think it's going to be, you know, 15 cents higher. It's based on everything I just told you. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop being so forthright with all that stuff. Uh, it, th this course is going to cost me just under a hundred thousand dollars to put together with all the production and editing and, and whatnot. It's, it, it, it's not, it's not, it's not a, it's not a, a small endeavor. And um, I, I owe it to the people that are, that are uh, investing in me and investing in the course to, uh, you know, give them the, 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 the hundred percent uh, attention and the hundred percent um, uh, knowledge that I have and answer their questions. The, the people that, the people that believe in me and the people that believe in this course and the people that take the time to learn and participate yeah. in the, in the forum, they deserve that. You, you know, yeah. uh, any, any, anybody that's been asked, well, you know, what's your position? What do you think about beans here? I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to stop being so forthright with my, my, uh, yeah. my positions and my, my opinions that, uh, you know, and, 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 that, and, that, and that is not, that is not to punish any, to hide anything. It's just, it's just, I feel, I feel an obligation to, to the people that believe in, in, in what I'm providing. Yeah, totally agree. Well, I'm going to be signing up. I'll tell you that. Uh, it's going to be fun to kind of, cause see, I've never, I mean, Dan, Dan and I are very good friends and Dan's always been options uh, for the most part. And I've always been, been futures for the most part. And it's a lot more, it's hard to sleep at night sometimes uh yeah you got positions on in the futures yeah it is i mean you know and that that's why when i when i was told that you know back in the 90s well you know we don't like the people at the board of trade grandpa's grandpa just dealt with cargill and that's who we're going to deal with i asked i asked people i said if i wasn't there on the floor day in and day out Making a market, which I think the market on corn, it's worth five dollars and fifteen cents. If I wasn't there making that market, what do you and you removed everybody from the floor? What yeah. do you think Cargill is going to give you? We forced Cargill to be fair. Cargill and ADM and everybody else, we forced them to be fair because we are providing a market. We're providing competition. Not we don't want the physical, but we're providing a competitive marketplace at that time. If you went to Cargo with no with no exchange and said, "Okay, well, I need to sell a million bushels of corn," you think they're going to give you five fifteen? They're going to no, we'll give you three ninety five for. It. Yeah. So I mean, it, it it was it was, you know, it was hurtful to to see how we were perceived on the floor you know, because we were traders instead of actually in the field farmers. But the service that we provide for the farmers, you know, I felt like, you know, if they understood the market and they understood the intent of the market and they were able to use the market to their advantage, they wouldn't feel that way about, about uh, traders and the marketplace. And I know, I know a lot of traders that, that gave traders a bad name. And, uh, you know, it, we're not all like that. I mean, some of us, some of some of us really have integrity. Most of us have integrity. I mean, it's built on a, the exchange was built on your bond of your word. You know, you, you can't back out of a trade. Uh, it, it was it's very few that gave us all a bad name, and that's it's unfortunate. But um, you know, the, the markets are there for uh, 
end users and producers to to protect themselves to 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 transfer their risk yeah that's awesome hey brian i know you said it earlier but i was in the combine uh what's the name of your website deltahousetrading.com thank you yeah. Anybody else have any last minute questions you'd like to toss in the chat here real quick or raise your hand? Oh my gosh, Brian, this has been unreal. Um, you are an absolute wealth of knowledge. And um, yeah, there it is, Dan, it's in the chat there, www.deltahousetrading.com. Thank you, Rachel. Um, Brian, I can't thank you enough for being on. Um, we're, we're honored. Um, I'm probably going to talk to you uh, uh, afterwards, not ne- not tonight, but sometime in the near future. Uh, we might get a link on our website to go right to your uh, your your series of of that stuff that you've got for sale here, so people can come through us to get to you as well. Appreciate uh, that, Rick. Yeah, yeah. This has been. I'd great. love to. I'd love. I'd love to come back on again if you want to talk something more specific. You want to talk about, uh, you know, the market has moved to a certain level, and you, you know, you want to reevaluate, you know, options and and things yeah. like that, or talk about. I'd, I'd love to come back on. I really enjoyed being here, and uh, yeah. as you can tell, I, lo- I love talking about the markets, and I really do have a passion to help people. You do, and that's what a lot of folks that view this podcast have the same passion. Uh, a lot of us are uh, regenerative type farmers that care about the planet. We're very transparent of what we do uh, and we can change the world. So, um, and it's guys like you that can do the same thing because the, the farmer, it needs so many tools in his toolbox. You know, he's got to be a marketer. He's got to be a manager, yep. he's got to be a, yep. a, 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 a mechanic. He, he has to do so many things. He's a banker. And he's a banker. And this is a very important tool that I'm going to say a lot of farmers don't fully utilize. So I think you've got a hold of something here that's going to be a monster. I really do. Yeah, and that's 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 why I want the forum to be really I, I, I don't know if calling it a podcast is the right thing because people really don't want to, I, I put out there a, a a poll would you want it for you know 30 minutes a day like no we just want 15 minutes i don't want it to be the same as every other like yeah. me get on there and spouting what i think i want a, an interactive you know forum where you know they the questions are being asked about the things they're learning and being and you know and have direct access to me and be able to ask the questions that they're hard to answer and 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 guide people say no you know what you made a mistake there when you when you made the calculation on the range for today, and here's where you made the mistake. You did yeah. you start off you started off great, but here's where you did. now part of part of my course also I'm, I'm including a little bit of you know some quizzes, you know so you, you take the course you do the quiz and so you can check your own your yeah. own how far along how much of it you retained. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And and but the I, other thing. And the other thing that's huge here, folks, is 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 Brian's making himself available for these quick one, two minute questions or two minute conversations. You know, that's that's yeah. going to be huge. Yeah, I, I, I want to start creating a, a dialogue between uh, pupils, between farmers. But you know, the more the more banter that goes back and forth, I'm going to have questions. You know, I, you know, in the middle of a drought, we know in the middle of the farm, I go, hey guys, you know, what is the rainfall like out there? Is what I'm yeah. seeing uh, true? You know, all 
the more people we get in this option army and in this movement, it's just going to make everybody uh, more informed. And it's going to give everybody a better opportunity to maximize profitability in very, very difficult times. And right now is a very difficult time. You've got some transitional stuff going on right here with corn bean ratio, like today was a great example of that. Recognizing those things and being able to take advantage of them, not being scared of them and, and, uh, and, and taking advantage of them, you know, that takes knowledge and that takes experience. And to be able to have both of those is going to be just just an enormous advantage to people that have, have, have grown up without it. Yeah. Now, I've not seen that chart in a long time, but that's got to be getting close to a historic high. That spread. Yeah. What was it, 2.75 or 2.76? Yeah. yeah. I mean, a, a guy asked me uh, two days ago, he said, well, he goes, is it time to buy uh, corn and sell wheat? I said, that spread, yes, I like that spread, but I'm going to tell you something. I see a formation that I like in wheat that I don't want to sell wheat. So the only thing that I, this was yesterday, you know, not yesterday, like the close before that. So my take on that is you just want to buy corn. I said the way the corn went down and tested that like 480, whatever it was, and bounced right back up. I go, that was a tell. It created a, it created a higher low. I said, I don't really want to sell wheat against the corn. And I, I, I said, I would be a buyer of wheat. And it was like, like last night. I said, I would be a buyer of wheat on a pullback into that four eights, or sorry, I'm talking about D suite in that 680 to 671 area, knowing that 674 or 664 I, makes a lower low, and I'm wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm making a I'm making a trade based on like you know a five cent uh, a five cent risk for an unlimited profitability. So I don't really want to sell wheat. I just want to buy corn. And to be honest with you, the number I had for corn going yes today, I didn't put it out on Twitter. Was uh, where is it? See, you see that number right there? You see that? Uh, this uh, number where, right here. I don't see. Oh yeah. Uh, what five oh six and a half maybe? Five oh six and a quarter. I wrote that number down before the market opened this morning. And we're that's where the it? number five oh eight. And then when it was trading, it was trading like four ninety seven. I'm gonna I'm gonna bet you were long, and and, and you probably went home flat, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That that's they this is fascinating. Yeah. This is just fascinating. Well, uh, we've had plenty of anybody last minute stuff here. Okay. Uh, well, Brian, would you take us home here? How would you? What What do you? You know, give us your what do you think the in just the real the elevator pitch of what you think the future of of the corn and soybeans? What's the outlook looking like? I know it's weather related, but I mean, what do you think here? Just give Boy, us. Some I'll tell you what I haven't been as optimistic about uh, agricultural uh, markets than I have been in a long time. Okay. I think we've got I think we've got so much op, so much opportunity in front of us with South America with our growing season that I. I think I think the future looks really, really bright for farming and, and farming uh, trading, agricultural okay. trading. That's awesome. Well, again, uh, uh, I'm excited. Delta, yeah, I, yeah, it, it's it really is. I mean, uh, you, you listen to the news and it's a lot of doom and gloom, but you, you've got to look way beyond that. There, there's a lot of uh, a lot of higher higher looking stuff here in the future. Oh, I, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I, I 
I really hope that we start taking advantage of the South Americas, how they grow and take advantage of their market, take advantage of their weather problems and take advantage of their you know, dollar issues and use all the information, all the knowledge we get to be able to make money off of their backs. That would be really nice because we've been we've been handing it to them for oh. years and years and years. Oh yeah, yeah. The farmers down there get uh, what? Three yes, dollars a bushel more for their corn than we do. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. I mean, if you yeah. look if you look at the, if you look at that Dalian corn chart, China's in a world of hurt right now in corn. I mean, it's a uh, you know they're paying a lot of money for corn in China. It's not going to keep us down. You know, people are like, well, China, our corn is a whipping boy. You know, it's going to like 380. There's going to be a three handle in front of the corn. I highly doubt that. That's, I highly doubt that. I think that the risk could be, is being short corn right now, not long. It. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, DeltaHouseTrading.com. Oh, my gosh, Brian. I, we'll, have, we'll have you back. Don't worry. Um, I appreciate is- that. This has been a blast. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. It's been my pleasure. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. Well, it's tomorrow's Friday, so knock it out of the park tomorrow and then enjoy the weekend. (laughs) I hope we all knock it out of the park. Yeah, very good. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. See you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks, Brian.